Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. All right, well, today we're going to start a new series that we've titled The Art of Love. And uh, this is not a series, listen to me, young people, this is not a series about married couples, okay? Um, I don't want you to think, oh, well, for the next few Sundays, they're going to be talking to couples. No, this is a series for all relationships, okay? This is a series about healthy relationships. So we all need help improving our relationships, don't we? We need help being better, having a better relationship with our kids, having a better relationship with our siblings, having a better relationship with our coworkers, having a better relationship with our neighbors. That's what this series is about, okay? Now, I want to give you a quote that I want you to remember throughout this whole series. And hopefully it stays engraved in you so that you are able to better process this series. And, and, and here's the quote. Here's the first part. A great relationships, great relationships are not built in a day. I think we all want great relationships, right? Can we put that up there, please? Great relationships are not built in a day. Don't make the mistake of thinking that just because you had a wedding date, you automatically have a great relationship. Don't think that just because you went out to have coffee once and had a deep talk, now you have a great relationship. Great relationships are not built in a day. But here's the trick, and this is the beauty of it. But they are built daily. They are not built in a day, but they are built daily. Let's pray, and then we'll go into the message. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you this morning for your wonderful presence in this room. Lord, as we go into your word, speak to us. I pray that, Lord, more than information, that you would transform our way of thinking, that you would really just come to make flesh your word in our lives. I pray for every relationship, for those uh, relationships between parent and children, those relationships between siblings or family members, those relationships uh, uh, as neighbors, our relationship as a church family. Father, we want healthy relationships because that's what you want. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So as we begin this series and we talk about relationships, I want to ask a very important question that I think it's one that we need to answer and we often don't ask. When it comes to relationships, what is your destination? Or let me say it another way. When it comes to relationships, what is the win? How do you know if you're winning? Where do you want your relationships to go? How do you want them to be? What is it that you want to accomplish? Because healthy is very general, right? What it takes to have a healthy relationship with your mother-in-law is not what it takes to have a healthy relationship with your spouse, or at least I hope it's not. What it takes to have a healthy relationship with your coworkers, it's not the same that it takes to have a healthy relationship with your kids. 
So I'd like to invite you to ponder this question with me today. When it comes to your relationships, what is your destination? Where are you trying to go? What are you trying to reach? And see, that's a very important question because the path you choose will determine your destination, will determine your destiny. If you're trying to go somewhere, then you have to be able to choose the proper path. But if you don't know where you're going, then you don't know what path to take. When it comes to relationships, we often ask, well, I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know what to do about my rebellious teenager. I don't know what to do about my annoying uh, family member. See, the question is not, what do I do? But the question first is, what do I want? Where should this relationship go? We've all likely used the app for maps on our phone or our computer, right? And whenever you're going to use that app, the first thing you got to do is what? Put a destination. Where are you going? And once you put a destination, the beauty of it, I don't know if you've ever paid attention, but the beauty of it is that it gives you very different options. Did you know that there's an option on maps to take a path to your destination walking? You can even, it can even give you the route if you want to take the bus. But if you're driving, even if you're driving, it gives you different options, right? It gives you the quickest, it gives you the fastest, and it'll even give you a route where you can avoid toll roads or even the freeway. Because when you know where you're going, when you know where you want to end up, then you can choose the path you want to take. So let me ask you again, let me ask you again, and this is not to guilt you, this is really to get you thinking. What do you want? What's the destination of your relationships? If you're married, where do you want your marriage to end up? Just together? Is together the goal? Because you could be together and miserable. You could be together and just be roommates. What's, when it comes to your children, what, what's the destination? For them to just be successful or for them to still want to be with you when they don't have to be with you anymore? What's the destination? Because once you know the destination, once again, you can choose the right path. Now, I, I, I know you may be thinking, Pastor, this is so obvious. This is so, uh, it, it's such an instinct that like, why are we making it a big deal? Well, you're right that it is obvious. But what is not correct is that just because something is obvious that we're going about it the right way. Can I give you an example? Let's talk about retirement. Let's get outside of relationship a little. Let's talk about retirement. We all know that we're going to reach the point where we can't work, right? Have you ever stopped to think about what your destination in retirement is going to look like or what you want it to look like? You know, I think we've all thought about the fact that one day we're not going to have to work anymore. But we don't think about it in the sense of what am I going to do financially? But we think about it more like, oh, I don't have to work anymore. I won't have to go in on Mondays. I won't have to deal with these crazy people. But when it comes to retirement, there is a financial part in it, right? That we have to consider, how am I going to live? And statistics show us that most people do not know or do not consider or are not intentional 
about their destination when it comes to retirement. Did you know, you probably didn't, but that out of 100 people that start working at the age of 25 and retire at the age of 65, out of 100 people, only four of them will be prepared for retirement. Only four. Everybody knows they're going to retire, but only four will be prepared for retire to say, when I'm 65, I don't have to keep working. Only 4%. Only 3% will have to continue to work to survive, to pay their bills, to pay their rent, to pay uh, for their needs. And here's the scary part. 63% will depend on Social Security, family, friends, or charity in their retirement. That's alarming, right? But you know what's what's even more alarming? That when it comes to relationships, we're not doing any better than we are when it comes to retirement. As a pastor, I find many people who come to the realization one day or another, where they are in a situation that they don't want to be in. Because they never stop to consider, when it comes to my relationships, what is my destination? And when you don't consider where you want to go, you can end up unhappily married or divorced. You can end up at strife with your kids. You can end up distant from your loved ones. You can end up lonely and without friends. And everybody wonders, well, why? Why are so many people getting divorced? Why are so so many families disconnected? Why are so many siblings not talking to each other? Well, one big reason, we don't stop to ask, what is my destination? I don't know what your destination is. I don't know what you want. And I think it's a really good question that you should Ponder, pray about, and if you journal, journal about this week. But whatever it is, but whatever it is, today I want to talk to you about a path that you can take, that you need to take to reach that destination. You know, a few semesters ago in our life group, we did a parenting session. We did a a semester on parenting. And uh, the, 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 the book asked, the same question. It asked it in a different way, but it asked the same question. And it says, what is your compass? What is your north when it comes to your parenting? What guides your parenting? In other words, what is it that you want your kids to accomplish? You know what I want for my kids? I want my kids to love God and to love each other. That's my, that's my north. That's my destination. Because if they love God, they'll be able to love each other. And if they love God and they love each other, they're going to want to be with each other. And if they love God and if they love each other, they're going to respect each other. And if they love God and if they love each other, they're going to honor each other and they're going to help each other. You see how it trickles down? But you got to be able to have that destination. So I don't know what your destination is, but I would venture to say, because God says, that there is a path that is necessary, there is a direction that is necessary that you need to take to reach it. What is it? Well, look at it with me. If you would open up your bulletins inside, there's an outline, pull it out and look at what 1 Corinthians 14.1 says. Love should be what? 
your God. Whatever your destination is, I can guarantee you that the first ingredient that you need is love. If your destination is one of positivity, if your destination is one of health, if your destination is one of success, you are going to need love. And that's why it says, let love be your guide because there's almost nothing more important in relationships than love. Somebody said that a relationship without love is like a car without gas. You can be in it as long as you want, but you ain't going anywhere. Because love, look, look, look at what 1 Corinthians 14:1 says in a different version. I love this version. And he says, may love always be the what? The highest goal for you. Why? Because love is both a destination and the pathway. Love is both the direction and the destination. Look at what Paul says also in that same letter in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, 2. And he says, but have not love, I am what? Nothing. He says, if I don't love, and, and if you know the context of the verse, he's, he's talking, if I give my body to be burned, if I can explain the, the mysteries, if I can speak angelic languages, if I can do all this, he says, but I don't love, I am what? Nothing. Our relationships without love are nothing. Now, let me tell you how important love is. I don't know if you noticed, but the verses that we read are in the same letter. The first letter to the Corinthians. And if you've ever read this letter, Paul writes this letter to address all the issues that this church in Corinth was having. Issues of immorality, issues of disorder, issues of unfairness, issues of strife, issues of questioning. I mean, their relationship as a Corinthian church was not a good one. And Paul writes this letter to address and to correct all those issues. And he talks about marriage and he talks about the gifts and he talks about so many things. But, but here's the beauty and here's what I would want you to notice. If you ever take time to read that letter, in the middle of so much correction, you come to chapter 13, which is one of the most well-known verse chapters in the Bible. It is a chapter that is likely always read in a wedding. It's a chapter that, that likely on Valentine's, somebody dedicated it to you or sent it to you. And it's a very poetic chapter. It's the chapter of love. It's where Paul says love is not, and he goes on to mention what it's not and also what it is. Now, here's the interesting part. When you read the whole letter, chapter 13 doesn't seem to fit because Paul is giving a bunch of instructions. Paul is giving a bunch of orders, but in the middle of it, you find 1 Corinthians 13. And here's why, here's why. I believe that in the middle of Paul correcting them, he wanted and needed to remind them that love was the answer. That what they needed was love. That the instruction that he was giving them, that the orders, that the direction that he was giving them, that without love, it could not be accomplished and it would mean nothing. And I want to tell you today that love is still the answer. 
Love is the answer that our marriages need. Love is the answer that families need. Love is the answer that friendships need. Love is the answer that the church needs. And love is the answer that our nation needs. Because without love, we are nothing. And if we're going to reach any good destination, when it comes to our relationships, we need to take the way of love. We need to make love our highest priority. We need to make love our guide. Now, how do we do that? Especially in a time and day when love has been cheapened, love has been minimized to lust or or greed or emotions or butterflies. How do we love in such a way that love conquers all things? Well, I want to suggest to you three ways. Number one, and you can fill this out in your outline, to take the way of love, the first thing that we can do is to make love our focal point. If you want to take the way of love, if you want to take the direction of love, if you want to make love your guide, you need to make love your focal point. There was a survey that was done. There was a study that was done nationwide. And they wanted to look at all the healthy, happy, successful relationships, not just marriages, but even families and friendships. And they did this national survey. And they discovered that 88% of all the relationships that were healthy, successful, and happy attributed to making love their top priority. Did Did you catch that? They made love their top priority, not paying the rent their top priority. You ready for another one? Not parenting the kids their top priority. Love their top priority. Why? Well, look at what Paul says in in Colossians 3, 14. He says, love is more important than what? Than anything else. Including paying the rent of the mortgage? Yes. Even more than being fit? Yes. Even more than getting the kids into college? Come on, help me. Love is is more important thing. It's more important than anything else. Here's why. It is what ties everything completely together. It's not that your kids are not important. It's not that the mortgage is not important. It's not that your health is not important, but it is love what elevates. It is love what ties everything else together. Look how important love is. Going back to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, look at what it says. It says, for now there are, there are faith, hope, and love. But of these three, the greatest is what? Love. It's love. Listen, when the focal point in our relationship is anything else than love, our relationships will never reach a good destination. When the focal point in your relationships is comfort or convenience or pride or fear, your relationships will not reach a good destination. Relationships don't last because there's not enough good times. Listen to me again. Relationships do not last because there aren't enough good times. They don't last because the hard times were not handled with love. 
I mean, every relationship is going to have challenges. That's one of the things that I always tell couples when they come to my office. I said, the fact that there's problem is not a sign that, you, that your relationship shouldn't be. The fact that there's problems in your, in your relationship, whether it is as a parent, as a sibling, you know what that means? It just means you're human. That you haven't reached the fullness of Christ yet. That there's still imperfections. And, and the challenge is not to say, well, I want my relationship to be problem-free. But the challenge truly is, how can we handle those challenges in a loving and successful and proper way? And here's the thing. When it comes to our relationships, allow me to use, obviously, my wife, but allow me to use my kids. When it comes to my relationship with my kids, here's one thing that I'm always shooting for, that they would never doubt that I love them. Even when I have to discipline them, even when I have to say no to them, the one thing that I want them to always know is dad loves me, mom loves me. Because love ties everything together. And listen, when you parent without love, you're only going to breed rebellious children. When you when you try to correct your spouse without love, all you're going to do is create more tension and strife between you and your spouse. When you, when, when you lack love in your relationship with your, with your family members or your neighbors, you're not going to reach any healthy place. And, and I would challenge you to adopt the thinking and say, in all of my relationships, the one thing I don't want them to doubt is that I love them. That even when I say no, and it is an answer that they don't like, that they would not question my love. They can question everything else but my love. And see, unless you make love your focal point, you're not going to reach a healthy and strong relationship. So, so what's your drive? Why are you married? I know why you got married. But why are you married now? See, we all got married because we were in love. But somewhere along the way, the commitment to pay the rent or to stay together for the kids outgrows that commitment of saying, I'm with you because I love you. What's your drive? When it comes to your kids, what's your drive? Oh, I just don't want them to be Raider fans, you know? <laughs> you know, I have to throw that in there somehow, right? <laughs> Jesus loves Raider fans. The rest of us, we're trying, okay? Number two, if you want to take the way of love, if you want to take the way of love, here's the second thing you got to do. You got to put being first and doing second. You got to put being first and doing second. Can we go to the next one, please? There we go. Listen, if you're going to love others, you first need to be a loving person. Can I say that again? Because I think only my good friend Manolo got that one. (laughs) If you're going to love others, you first need to be a loving person. You know this. But we forget it all the time. You cannot love others unless you love yourself first. 
Remember what Jesus said? Love your neighbor as how? And see, we may not be loving our neighbors because we don't love ourselves. Who you are needs to come first so that what you do flows out of who you are. Being is more important than doing. Can I prove that to you? Look look at what God says about us in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. We are first, right? And look at what he says. He has created us anew in, in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. When it comes to love, to the way of love, who we are needs to come first and what to do needs to come second. See, most of the times when relationships are not working, it's not the institution. I, I, I get in a lot of arguments with people, not, not in church so much, outside of church, because they'll say marriage is an institution that doesn't work. And they say, look at how many people are end up divorced. Look how many people uh, are in their second, third, or fourth marriage. And they'll argue with me and say, marriage is an institution that doesn't work. And here's my answer all the time. I said, marriage is not the problem. The problem is the people getting married. Because you can't have two broken people making a whole marriage. You can't have two sick people creating a healthy marriage. See, a lot of times, it's not that, oh, oh, you know, parenting is so hard. It is hard. But a lot of times, the problem is not in the relationship. The problem is in us. So let me ask you this question. Let me me paint it to you this way. If I were to ask you, who is responsible for, who is responsible for the relationship? What would your answer be? Okay, somebody got ahead of me. That's good. Smart, you got some really smart people in the church. See, most parents, if you were, ta- if you were talking about a relationship between, between uh, a parent and a child, the child would say, my dad, my mom is responsible for our relationship. The reason we're not talking, the reason we're not getting along is that they're, they're old school, they're too strict, they're responsible for us getting along. Now, if you were to ask married couples that, you know what married couples would say, Right? She's the problem. (laughs) He's the problem. If you were to ask good friends, like maybe me and Manolo, maybe people would be tempted to say, we are. But the truth is that it's you. You are responsible for your part of the relationship. You contribute either to the health or the sickness in that relationship. And that's why it's so important that before we do, we become. Single people, let me tell you something. Hear me out, okay? Not that I got it wrong. God gave me a wonderful woman. I would marry her again a hundred times, okay? In fact, I've changed my thinking. I used to joke with her and tell her that in heaven, there's no marriage. So I wasn't going to know her. I'm going to go look for her. Okay. I am. Single people, listen to me. Single people, listen to me. Guys, 
girls, listen to me. If you want to marry somebody before you do, pay attention to how they treat their parents. Pay attention to how they treat their siblings. Because that's how they will likely treat you. Nobody said amen. You can at least say ouch. (laughs) I'm serious. Because, see, when you're dating, you put your best foot forward. I was talking with somebody this week. I I, I don't remember who it was. And the, the best advice I ever got when it comes to dating, is that when you're dating, you got to open your eyes as wide as possible. You got to look at all the details, you know? His teeth are kind of yellow. He's got wax in his ears, you know? He's been wearing the same socks for three days, you know? You got to look at all those things. You do, you do. Here's why, here's why. Because then we get married, and what what does 99.9% of married people say after a few years? I didn't know who I married. (laughs) I thought I knew. You know why? Because when you were dating, you closed your eyes as much as possible. And then you got married and you what? You opened them. Right? You were dating and he couldn't keep a job. And you were like, oh, but he's still so cute. (laughs) And now you're married and he can't keep a job. And he's a bum. And his mom didn't raise him good. And he's lazy, right? So... So when you're dating, open your eyes as wide as possible. And if you're married, you ready for this? Close them as much as possible. Close them. Hey, have you noticed that your wife, no, I have not. Don't point it out. We're doing good. You know what the number one complaint or problem is in relationships? Immaturity. Immaturity. What do parents say about their kids? Oh, these little brats, they, they, they just don't get it because they're immature. I mean, come on, married couples. Most of our arguments are over really dumb stuff. Dumb stuff, right? You forgot a grocery bag and the whole world explodes. <laughs> right? She wanted four ketchups. You only brought three. It's the end of the world. It's over petty stuff. And you know why petty stuff becomes big arguments? You ready? It's our immaturity level. So when it comes to becoming overdoing, we need to grow so that we don't become immature. Look at what the Bible says. Look what the Bible says right there in the verse. It says, then we will no longer be immature like what? Children, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in what? In love, growing in every way more and more like who? Like Christ, who is the head of what? His body. So if you want to take the way of love, grow up. Focus on being and not doing. And here's the last one, and I'll finish with this. To take the way of love, the third thing we can do is we got to let God's love fill us. We got to let God's love fill us. Now, now don't check out. Don't check out. I know you're already thinking about that awesome portals that's going to be in the cafe. And I can smell the coffee and the birria that they're cooking. 
But don't check out. This is important. This is really important. I know that you're tempted to say, well, I know where you're going, Pastor, right? We love because he first loved us. God's love is what enables us to love. You're right. You're right. But, but let me see if I can spin it in a different way. Let me see if I can give you some fresh eyes to look at this. Look at what Paul says in 1 John 4, 16. He says, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. Let me ask you a question. Do you truly know how much God loves you? And if you do, how do you know how much God loves you? Now, let me ask that question in a different way. Do you know, not just with your thinking, but did you know with your heart how much God loves you? Because see, between here and here, there's a great difference. When you know something up here, it's helpful. But when you know something down here, it's life-changing. So if I were to ask you, how do you know God loves you? Could you give some specific, personal, intimate ways that you know God loves you? Because if your answer is, well, the Bible says he loves me. You know, that's, that's generic. It's powerful. It's true. But it's generic. It's, it's when you know and you say, I know God loves me. And here's a list or here's ways that I know he loves me. Can I share one with you? So um, you probably know this week I lost my pet, right? My dog of 14 years, she passed away on Friday. And we saw that coming, right? She, she was already kind of older. No, she was not kind of. She was already older. Um, we saw it coming. We were expecting it. Uh, we knew it was inevitable. But when it really began to happen, it just takes on a whole different realm, right? Like, I, I would always make fun of uh, people in their pants that, you know, they treat them like kids. And, and it isn't until it happens to you that you're like, okay, it, it, it is more than a pet, right? But here's where I'm going. Um, on Wednesday, we noticed her health declined greatly. And it got to the point where she, she couldn't walk anymore. She couldn't stand. Um, so she was always in bed. She would eat very little, but then throw up. She would drink water and then throw up. On Thursday, she wasn't eating anymore or drinking anymore. And I said, you know, she's, she's not going to make it very long. So I wanted to do something nice for my pet, right? So without Lorena's permission, because she didn't give it to me, I brought her in the tub and I gave her a big, long, warm bath. And as I was just kind of showering her, wiping all the dirt, uh, putting as much shampoo, I even used some of Lorena's, don't tell her. (laughs) So that she would smell good, right? As I was showering her, I started thinking about the fact that she was going to be gone. But then I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And and my tears turned from, I'm losing my pet, to look how good God has been with my pet. You probably don't know this, 
But in my early 20s, I had three simple requests of the Lord. Simple, but very meaningful to me. I wanted to live in a house because we had lived in apartments for a very long time. I wanted a grill because that's the only thing I can cook. And I wanted a bulldog. Now, if you ever owned a bulldog, you know those dogs are not cheap. At that time, and we're talking about back in 2011, 2013, a good bulldog was going for minimum $2,000. I didn't have $2,000. I didn't. But I wanted one, and I knew God could give me one. And within a period of a few months, God fulfilled all three of my dreams. I got Leela for $200. $200. We had her before we had our kids. Not only, not only did God give her to me, but when she was stolen one year, a day before Christmas, God found a way to bring her back home with me. And you may be saying, Pastor, that's so petty, no? That's, that's the desire of my heart. And my God loves me so much that even in those small things, he shows his love for me. So here's my question for you. How do you know God loves you? We ought to be able to look at the cross and say, that is the greatest way. That is the most important way. But more than anything, I know God loves me because of this and this and this and their personal things where I know and I feel. You know, when I worship, I feel God's love. So I'll end with this. Where do you want your relationships to end? What is the destination? If it's a healthy, strong one, godly, you need to take the pathway of love. Would you bow your head with me? As as I get ready to step down and the next person will step up, I just want to ask two questions. For those of you that already have Jesus in your heart, how full is your tank of God's love? Have you been distant? Have you been disconnected? Have you been superficial? See, you can't take the pathway of love without first being filled with God's love. Maybe you're full of novellas. Maybe you're full of stress. Maybe you're full of of a bunch of other things. And that may be the reason your relationships are struggling, that God's love isn't fueling you. Can you make a commitment today and say, Lord, I'm going to draw back to you. Relationships, great relationships are not built in a day, but they are built daily. So I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to get your word in me. I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to listen to you so that my love tank can be filled of your love. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.